What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Friday, March 5th, 2021, and the Michigan Wolverines are Big Ten champions. All right, celebration is in order. It was in order last night, and it sure as hell is still in order today. Could not be more proud of Juwan Howard's crew. What an incredible, incredible run that they have been on. Hopefully it continues into March Madness. Please, God, let it continue. But last night was awesome. I am a very honest man. Uh, I'm honest to a fault. I've gotten myself in trouble because of my honesty in the past. And I'm going to be real with you again. I don't have a lot prepared today. On Wednesday, I worked until mid-afternoon and spent the better part of about six hours working on podcasts for Locked On, making appearances on other podcasts as well, doing editing, and it was a real drain. I'm not going to talk about other things throughout the week that have made this a drain, but I didn't get a lot of sleep that night. Yesterday, I was all over the place, and really, I just passed out at one point for about two or three hours because I was so tired, and then now I'm at a point now after the Michigan game where I'm still pretty exhausted, and I don't I don't have a ton prepared for you today, and I, I apologize for that, but thankfully, and you can thank our friend Jeff Ellis, I'm going to spend a majority of today's show playing the second part of the interview that I did with him, talking about the Cleveland Indians, their comps to the Detroit Tigers, we talk about some of those heartbreaking playoff losses that the Indians have had, and kind of what the future is of that organization, really fun conversation, he's a very intelligent baseball mind. The Tigers did play a spring training game yesterday. Spencer Turnbull pitched and he looked like Turnbull. He had electric stuff and not a lot of command. He was not super pleased with how he pitched and A.J. Hinch I don't think was necessarily either, but not completely awful. It's something to build on. First spring training outing for a guy that a lot of people have really high expectations for this season. I'll talk more about him at some other point, but I, I, I'm completely exhausted right now. I am completely, completely exhausted, and I don't think I've ever done this since I've been doing this show. I don't think that I've ever kind of punted a show, though I mean, it's not really punting. I've been spending time doing interviews with other people, so I'm going to air the remainder of the interview that I did with my friend Jeff Fellis of Lockdown Indians. Really looking forward to you hearing the rest of that, and I will be back here at the end wrapping up today's show. Thank you very much. I mean, everyone wants to see them go out and spend the way they did when Dombrowski was here. And I, my response to that is I, I'm not I'm not even huge on that. Like, yes, I think you should target, uh, you know, more top and top tier talent. I do. But one of the reasons why they got into such this in this awful predicament was because they threw all caution to the wind and they way overspent on Jordan Zimmerman and he did nothing. They way overspent on Victor Martinez and in three of those four years, he did nothing. They way overspent on Miggy, who admittedly at the time was the best player in baseball, but the length of that deal has been an absolute killer for them. No, I mean, I think that what what frustrates fans right now, because I agree with you completely, and I'm glad to see that people from other fan bases are acknowledging this too, is that they people view this as kind of the ascension year. That, that's a good way to put it. The comparison that always goes on around here, and it's a fair comparison, was that in 2003, the Tigers completely bottomed out. They lost 119 games, I believe it was. Maybe it was 118. Essentially the worst baseball team of all time. If you want to throw the expansion Mets in there, fine. But they were unspeakably awful. Three years later, they were in the World Series. And what everyone always points to is the fact that they didn't make it all 
they didn't make it back all in all at once. It wasn't like they had one huge splurge and all of a sudden they were good into in that off season, they signed Pud Rodriguez to a, a multi-year deal. And he was a huge piece of that team for the next several years. They traded for Carlos Guillen. They brought in Placido Polanco. I believe the next season, the next, the, in 2000, after 2004, they signed Maglio Ordonez after 05, they got Kenny Rogers and they brought back Todd Jones. And it was like over those three years, they, they put together a core. And of course, with the draft with Zamaya and Verlander and Granderson, they put together a core that was capable of, of consistently competing for penance year in and year out. I think the frustration right now is that we're in year five, essentially of this rebuild and the signings are still where they were post 2017. It's the same one, two year deals for guys, small, you know, small budget, cheap signings. Like you brought up the Eddie Rosario point. It's like, I think especially in this year when you had COVID and teams losing money and you had so many good players non-tendered, you know, it would have been very easy if the Tigers would have spent, as you said, three million more dollars. They could have revamped their outfield with an Eddie Rosario or with a, 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 a Kyle Schwarber or a Jock Peterson or a David Dahl. Instead, they kind of go with guys that have lower ceilings, essentially. And it makes it's made the whole process uh, incredibly frustrating because th- there is talent here. No one's going to act like there isn't. But you, you're you have to surround you have to surround that core with a lot more than that. You know, it is those those two three year deals, those guys that you get that you bring in for several seasons who turn out to be something. That's the difference between winning a division or or you know uh, missing the postseason. I wanted to just ask real quick about just some in some Cleveland Indians memories because you know those they in 2018 the last three years they've been very good, but I, I the two chances that they had to. And kind of break the streak. In my opinion, we're 16 and 17. And which loss hurt more? Was it the game seven loss in 16 or the losing those three straight to the Yankees in 17? Ooh. I mean, I think you have to say it's that weirdly, I think the Yankees hurt more. Yeah. Cause the the thing about that World Series game is that team was so beat up. Right. And were we up three, one, I feel like we were up three, one, you know, it's like, I should it's know been, that it's you... been talked about, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's also the, um, the karma of after Cleveland making the three, all the three, one jokes about beating the warriors. I feel like they were up three, one. Uh, and then we, we managed to, to, we, I shouldn't say, I should never say we, they managed to lose that series, but like in that game, they were down early. They came back um, all of that type of stuff to the point where like it stunk but like i was i was never fully i kept waiting for it to happen <laughs> as terrible as that to say they were just not uh that whole game it never felt like they were in control football might be over but nba college basketball and nhl are in full swing as you know and michigan wolverines are big 10 champions bet online even covers awards tv shows and reality tv real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I'm with you completely because people, it's weird because the Tigers lost the World Series in 06 in 2012. And yet my response in terms of the most painful Tigers loss ever was 2013, the the grand slam to Big Poppy, you know, off of Joaquin Benoit, because they had the best team in baseball that year. They had one of the greatest rotations ever. They had Miggy having his best offensive season, a loaded offense, probably the most talented team in the history of the organization. In a 16, I mean, you you took the words out of my mouth, man. I mean, that team to get where they were was a miracle in and of itself. I mean, if you would have told me before. Before that playoff started, before those playoffs started, that a team with no Salazar, who was an all-star that year, no Carrasco, who was excellent that season, and a rotation of Kluber, who was great, Tomlin, and Bauer, but it was Bauer before Bauer really became yeah, Bauer. It was when he was the inconsistent said, version. Right. I just said, this, this, team's got, this team's got no shot. And to, in the Cubs, in fairness, again, it came down to the wire, were – front to back the best team in baseball that year from day one. I mean, that was like, that was that one of those years where it's like, man, if the Cubs don't win the world series this year, they might never do it. Cause this team is stacked the next year in 17, you know, the Astros were great. Obviously, you know, <laughs> all, all jokes aside, the Dodgers were had an amazing year, but stumbled in September and you had a, a Cleveland team that was just rolling. And they, they, especially after they won game two of that series, and, and Kluber, who was so dominant all year, pitched, you know, he was injured, but didn't pitch well at all. They came back to win that game. It felt like it was an Astros-Indians collision course uh, for the ALCS that year, and, and they obviously came up short. So no, I, I understand that completely. I guess lastly, because there's, again, there, there's a lot of similarities between these organizations right now. I think that both of them have had, a, a, a at different points, some wonderful seasons that they have strung off and and some, some, some great teams and some great players, but it, whether or not the Indians are hitting the reset button is, is beside the point. Really. It is fair to say that the core of that 2016 run is gone. I believe who I believe only Roberto Perez, I think remains from that team that made the world series in 2016 uh jose ramirez too or jose i forgot about jay so you got you got those two but i think that's it i think everybody else is is gone now i guess my question that kind of if you want to throw in the 2013 run too sure that kind of run for 13 to 2020 how will indians fans view that era like over over time is it going to be viewed as something that was an incredibly exciting time or will it kind of like with Tigers fans be a run that was, Hey man, it was great, but there's always going to be that, but at the end of every sentence, knowing they didn't quite get over the top. I hope not. Uh, just cause when you get down to it, like the Indians as an organization have been around forever and they've been by and large terrible. Um, yeah. you know, I've talked to some other, uh, Detroit riders through the years. And it's like, when you go back to some of those great Detroit Tigers teams in like the sixties, it was thanks to the Indians, you know, giving them Norm cash uh, for Derek Dietrich's grandfather and, and you know, just oh, random right. trivia. But yeah. 
you know, it's like the Indians just managed to make all the wrong moves for so long. And when you look at this era, um, I mean, honestly, the only re the only time the Indians won a World Series in modern era is thanks to integration. Because they integrated first and they went right. heavy and they went and they added top end talent that other teams weren't willing to. And it's I mean, I think that's a karma a bit of karma reward. Uh, you could also argue on the other side of karma was the last time they won a World Series was the year that Chief Wahoo was introduced. And then after <laughs> that, since then, it's like they introduced Wahoo, they win a World Series, and then we've had everything since. But I don't want to say the words get rid of integration, but if you look past where they had that year, where baseball with Larry Doby and they got Satchel Page and so many other players that really put them ahead of everyone else, that era is obviously the best in team history because they had a, and I don't know if I can even call it an unfair advantage, but it's like they had a built-in advantage because they were willing to be progressive. And, you know, that's something I'll always be proud of as a Cleveland sports fan, that they integrated the American League first, integrated at manager first, and the football team integrated first. It's like one of the great things I can always say as a fan of the city is the progressive history. But in terms of like other eras, then you have like the 1920s with Tris Speaker when the Indians got the best player in baseball because Boston was too cheap. And then your only other eras really of success are the nineties, this bubble here. And like the two, three peak years when you had like Grady Sizemore, Victor Martinez, Travis Hafner and CC Sabathia. So honestly, one can make a case that this run is right up there with the nineties now it was pitching instead of hitting, which makes it a lot less sexy, which means the fans don't enjoy it quite as much. But I, I think one can make a strong case. This is the third best run of years in franchise history. No, I, and I, I agree with that completely. And, and it's it's weird how over time fans have differing views of eras because I would say three years ago, if you were to ask me about the Tigers run 2006 to, I guess 2014 was the last year they made the the playoffs, but just 16 was the last year they were actually competitive. I'd a bit, I just said, you know what? It was a failure. They, they had great players and they always came up short. And they lost in the postseason every year, but you think about those, those weeks in the summer, those days in the summer where it was like, all right, man, we're in the pen, we're in a pennant chase. We're one game up and Verlander's going game one, or for you guys to be Kluber's going game one. And there is something so exciting about that chase. And I think as fans in general, and I'm guilty of this as anybody, I, I think we, the, the idea of it's championship or bust is such a, it's such an odd prism to view things under because especially in baseball, when you have so many amazing moments, you have so many games and opportunities for something incredible. You can have a team that loses 105 games, but if a guy throws a no hitter, that is a moment in that season that you remember forever. Just here to remind you that this final segment is brought to you by Lockdown Fantasy Baseball. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. Lockdown Fantasy Baseball, it's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data in nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, DFS, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. I do believe the Cleveland Indians are in good hands right now. I still believe that. It's as disappointing as I'm sure it is with the trading of Lindor. We didn't even really discuss that. I guess the reason for it, if you want to jump in here, you can. I I understand the frustration. I completely do. In an ideal world, with with ownership that was you know a, a a little bit more more thrifty, I guess, 
Um, you know, he'd be, he'd be with the Indians long-term as far as the return. And maybe, maybe we're in disagreement here. We are in an age of baseball where players don't get traded anymore. Contracts do. And Francisco Lindor, even with the quote unquote down year that he had in a 60 game season, which I don't put much stock into, uh, is still to the Mets, a one year rental. Now, do I think with Steve Cohen at the helm, they'll sign him a long-term I, I think they probably will, or at least they're going to make a heck of an attempt to. A lot of it depends on how he performs this year, probably. But I wasn't like I understood the return. I also understood fans' frustration because you're trading away one of the best players you've ever had, and you don't get back any kind of huge prospects. But yeah, I guess I forgot to bring that up. My, my last question to you will be: What were your what was your initial thoughts on the return itself? Did you kind of fall in line with other people and being as as frustrated as, as the fan base seemed to be. I have been championing a Lindor to the Mets trade since um, 2019. Uh, I just always liked the depth there. I actually wanted it to occur last off season. Uh, I really wanted Dom Smith and that's the player I, I, my heart had been set on for the past year. Unfortunately, he played too well and played himself out of that discussion, uh, especially because Indians have such a gaping hole at first base. So if it didn't involve Dom Smith, as I had about a year of pushing a, a Lindor to the Mets trade, I was going to be disappointed. Uh, I understood why J.D. Davis wasn't in there, and that's defense, and they have a similar player, I think, in their mind with Nolan Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, if everything works right, he should be somewhat similar. Uh, I think I was a little unfair with Andres Jimenez. Now, I've seen some people get hyperbolic on his upside. I think... You know, the, the one I put out there and I saw other people do is it could be like a, an, a plus version of Jose Iglesias. And that's valuable. I mean, when yeah. you as a Tigers fan, you guys have had him for a while and you just know the trying to find just a shortstop of his level and that difficulty. Uh, Rosario is a lotto ticket. I just wasn't as big on the secondary prospects. That's that's where it came down for me. Um, Josh Wolf, just I know some people really like him and I understand for the Indians, he's the perfect type of guy for them to get in and monkey with, but like, I see a, a reliever uh, likely there. And Isaiah green, he was an underslot guy in the second round. I understand the offensive talent, but there's a reason why you're underslot in round two, why you're willing to take an underslot deal that early. And the Indians in the third round came back and gave someone twice as much as Isaiah green. So like green to me, wasn't even a, isn't one of the Indians top 20 prospects like for Lindor, they got a good replacement for five years, maybe six, depending if they mess with service time. For me, it was more that like, I like if, if you gotten those four for Lindor, I'm good. I just felt like when you add in Carrasco with the way the pitching market is, there yeah, should have been uh, a little bit more. And I, I mean, I defended the Clevenger deal. I thought that was a strong deal. I know most people didn't like that one, but this is the one where I'm just like, I felt like there was just a little bit more room. Like there should have been a little bit more wiggle. And I understand 20 million, they ate a ton of salary. And that's exactly what you said. It's not about a player. It's a contract. It's one year, 19 million. And grass goes like two years, 26 million, which I, in my opinion is uh, a bargain with based on like Mike Miner's contract this off season as a comparison point. But uh, for the Indians to, I just, it also just shows, I think, baseball, that they trade those two guys and they get four interesting players, but they probably netted more overall for Clevenger than they did for Carrasco and Lindor. 
I, I, I'm with you completely. And I, I understand, again, it's one of those things where I completely get both sides of it, especially as a fan. And you, you, especially in baseball, even more so than any other sport, you really grow attached to these guys. And if you're not getting back a, a Wander Franco or, or in hopefully in this case for the Tigers, a Spencer Torkelson in return for a guy that is, has been a generational talent for you. I could, I completely understand it, but I also get the business side of it as well. I mean, there were so many people, myself included, who were so furious at the return the Tigers got for JD Martinez in 2017. And it they should was, have been. Yeah. Was, I stand with Tigers fans on that one. Right. Right. Exactly. They, it, they should have been. But my my response is, well, and they should have gotten more, absolutely. But my response to that is the trade itself was bad, but the timing of the trade was worse because it's been proven time and again that uh, one tool sluggers at the deadline for half a season do not yield the kind of return that most fans and most organizations truly want. Now, yeah, they should have gotten more. Dow Lugo was not a major league player, turned out not to be, and you trade away one of the best power hitters arguably the best power hitter in baseball, especially when John Carlos is not healthy for table scraps for nothing. I get it. But yeah, it's especially. And then for they didn't one- learn from it. They did the same thing with uh, Castellanos a few years later to me. If yep. I was a, you know, a diehard Tigers fan, that's more infuriating because you know, you saw it, everyone saw it. Why didn't they see it? The, the one difference is, and it, this is where fan emotion plays a big part is that Castellanos was so bad defensively. You looked at his war. If you were, you know, people paid attention to that kind of stuff. He was not that great. And while he came up through the system, everyone loved the story of JD Martinez. He released by Houston, came to Detroit in 2015, took a flyer out on him, became a fan favorite immediately. Everyone, you know, everyone loved him. He was getting paid nothing to, you know, put up a, a four war a season and hit 35 home runs. He was a huge fan favorite, had that incredible moment in 2016 coming off the IL, homering off of Chris Sale. It was, it was, he was incredible here. And then you you trade him for for nothing uh, at the deadline, essentially. I guess maybe maybe fans were so used to the underwhelming return that when Castellanos got traded for nothing, it it wasn't viewed as, as much of a, a, a sacrilege as it was when JD was gone. Well, real quick. And uh, I think I would, uh, I'm going to try to make sure to ask all the lockdown hosts I talked to here about their uh, uh, respective teams. What would you predict is the final record for the Cleveland Indians in 2021? I I think the team has a chance at a, a wild card. And I'm going to stand by that because I think they're going to do all their service time manipulation and, the one thing I talked about the start is I do think by the end of the year, you see Nolan Jones in a outfield platoon. I think you see uh, Jimenez at shortstop and depending on how Rosario is playing, he might be in center field uh, with his athleticism. And all of a sudden that lineup, I mean, they had like a historic, we hear the term historically bad used uh, incorrectly for the Indians case last year. It was true. I mean, they had uh, their runs created the WRC plus was a 54. It was Oof. literally historically bad. Yeah. Oscar Mercado had a negative 11. I had never seen that before. Uh, so, and you know, I've said it before, Francisco Lindor was the Indians third best player. They still have their two best players. They have some young guys who are going to come up and help. And when you look at the overall losses, they have the pieces to recover. So I, I'm, I'm betting like 88 wins, 89 wins. That's kind Probably of fair. maybe 90. Uh, I, again, they're gonna have a lot of guys. Tristan McKenzie will start the year. I mean, so not in AAA, I should say they're all going to be in the, the alternate site, but they're going to, 
manipulate service time. And then this year they're going to start calling up some of the, the young guns that they really haven't had um, since that Bieber group came up. I mean, I guess Tristan McKenzie last year, but he was a pleasant surprise for everyone after not yeah. pitching at all the year before, but they're going to actually have some of the guys that they have some pretty high expectations on starting to, to hit the bigs this year. Right on, man. Jeff, appreciate you joining us for Lockdown Tigers today. This will be uploaded pretty soon. I know it's been a, a tumultuous week out of Indians camp, and that's no way to blame except for the people responsible there. So I appreciate you joining us, dude, and uh, we'll keep in touch. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much to Jeff Ellis for jumping on and doing a crossover show with me. Really, that went on longer than I expected, and I was glad that it went on longer than I expected. We really got some interesting little tidbits there out of him. Very smart guy, so I appreciate him joining me for that crossover, and that will do it for today's show, and that will do it for this week's worth of shows. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. May have something coming here really soon. You can follow this show on Twitter at Locked On Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend, and go Tigers.